Hello, everybody. Welcome to this tw- September 8, 2015 edition of Ask a Leader. Following up on yesterday's Labor Day themes, I'll have the pleasure and honor to bring up, bring back on the show the uh, United Farm Workers leader Arturo Rodriguez at the end of this month. And speaking of Latino labor history, I'd like to acknowledge that our very own Dr. Vicki Ruiz, contributor and repeat guest on Ask a Leader, is in the White House this Thursday to pick up her National Humanities Medal for her contribution as a historian. And in monographs and edited volumes, Dr. Ruiz has pioneered the history of 20th century Latinas in a distinguished career that began with collecting oral history from Mexican immigrants who worked in U.S. canning factories. I've given her a lot of things to report on, uh, to uh, back on a return, so um, maybe maybe some of those nuggets I can share with you, too. She is the first faculty member to receive this award. Congratulations, Vicki Ruiz. And as for today's program, Fiona Sanchez, Irvine Water Dis- Director of the um, Irvine Ranch Water District, Director of Water Resources of the Irvine Ranch, there is going to be letting us in on how the local households are doing with our personal water management goals and where we can learn more uh, at the IRWD's upcoming September 12 open house. This In the second segment, Professor Josh Grill returns to the show to present the upcoming 26th annual California Alzheimer's Disease Research Conference. We'll be right back after a very short station break. Thank you, everybody, for staying with us. Back on the show today is Fiona Sanchez. She, uh, we're going to talk about the Saturday's open house. On uh, that's September 12th. The doors swing open at the local Irvine Ranch Water District Management's headquarters for the Drought Survival Expo, and taking this up and posting us on how we water paying customers are doing our part to meet statewide conservation goals is my first guest, Fiona Sanchez. As I said, director, uh, she's over 20 years of experience in water use efficiency, 10 of which have been at IRWD. In 2009, she was instrumental in implementing a major revision to IRWD's water budget-based rate structure, which is driving these conservation trains. So uh, this is the 20 by 20 20 Urban Stakeholder Committee that she's currently a member on. She was the recipient of the California Urban Water Conservation Council's 2010 Excellence Award for statewide and institutionalized innovations. And prior to joining IRWD, she successfully designed and managed award-winning regional water use efficiency projects on behalf of numerous agencies throughout the U.S. She earned her B.A. in history and economics from the University of California, Riverside, and her MBA here at UCI. Welcome back to Ask a Leader, Ms. Sanchez. Hi, good morning. Good morning. Let's go over again for uh, those listening and over there, they are part of this whole show. Let's go over uh, what are the areas included in IRWD's jurisdiction? Okay, so Irvine Ranch Water District serves more than just the city of Irvine. We also serve parts of Tustin, Lake Forest, Newport Beach, uh, parts of cities of Orange, Costa Mesa, and the unincorporated areas of the county, so the canyons. All right, an extensive uh, jurisdiction. And I, I, I guess, can you, in ranking an area space, probably one of the larger ones? 
maybe except for Anaheim? Yeah, I think we are certainly one of the largest uh, districts in Orange County. We serve about 20% of Orange County. And for the sake of fidelity, uh, that wherever you've positioned your phone, it's much better where it is now than it was like a minute ago. So thank you. Okay, great. That is so good. Well, we can let's chart here all of the goals, the progress that the customers are making in addressing the drought. Let's break it down, and we're going to include um, that. This isn't going to include the some of the ratepayers that aren't directly translated acting business with you but are in your jurisdiction that is University Hills. Let's let's talk about the the program. Now the governor has mandated a conservation and your goal, our goal, we're sharing this, it's sixteen percent reduction from the previous now what's what's the baseline that sixteen percent reduction's coming from? It's 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 a sixteen percent reduction from twenty thirteen use. And it's based on the months of June through February. So we'll end it in February 2016. And how is it looking so far? So far, our customers have uh, responded very well. Um, I think, obviously, as you mentioned, we have a rate structure that has always encouraged water conservation here. It's based on every customer having a budget and then learning how to use water within that particular budget. And customers that exceed their budget, just like if you exceed how much money you have at the bank, that's not a good thing. And so um, our customers typically respond by calling us or working to reduce use. So because we have that strong foundation in place, um, our customers had already, since we implemented the rate structure in 91, they'd already reduced residential use by about 50%. So we're already making great strides. And that's actually one of the reasons why our target's only 16% compared with some other agencies that have much higher targets of reduction. So, but... Uh, customers still are continuing to save, and as of the end of July, we were we have saved approximately 27% overall toward our target. Wow. Uh, so we're a little bit ahead of schedule. Um, we're hoping to have the August numbers soon, but I don't have them quite final yet. But I think our customers have done a really good job also in August. Well, I'm, I'm going to say that some people had already begun conserving water so that their baselines had already moved up and so i i know you don't want to cut anybody any slack that's that's not what we're going that's what not what we're here for but Mm -hmm. but i but i know that uh, there there were people that were doing that so that it it, it's difficult to to shave down even more but it's uh, it's probably why too that you are generally in a uh, in a different sort of a have working with different numbers for uh, mm-hmm. the, the goal at the outset because you know that the Irvine Water Management District has sort of brought a, a kind of conservant conservation literacy to our attention for for decades. I would say, right? Yeah, we first implemented the rate structure in 1991, so we've got over 20, 20 years of this. That's impressive. It really is, and and we know from the documentary "Last Call at the Oasis," where you got your pretty good, pretty high profile, actually, really high profile. That the the visionary aspect of the district has been now. It's now known, folks. You, you see the film, friends. See the film. You can uh, see where those uh, where the reputation has been well established, well deserved. Well, then there is um, on the website. There, uh, you've talked uh, about invoking as of July the level two water shortage. Shortage you declared. It's the first time in the history of the district this step has been taken. Tell us the the meaning of that, the background of, and, and who sets those uh, stages. 
Okay, the, the stages are actually determined. We have a water shortage contingency plan. It's part of the water code. And so it, for various levels of reduction, we have various levels of shortage. And so for IRWD to achieve the goal that the state board is requiring of us, that would put us at a stage two level to get, achieve that level of savings. And the actual reduction is determined. Uh, we take a, an item to our board. It's actually something that I'd, it's at our board's discretion to declare a shortage level. And so um, in July, given the fact that the state board was mandating a certain reduction and we needed to let our customers know these are the actions that we want you to take and continue to take, we declared a level two reduction. So what we're asking customers to do is uh, cut their outside watering um, up to 50%. Um, you've probably hopefully seen our messaging to that brown is the new green. Yes. Just let your water uh, lawn, lawns go brown or golden. And then right now what we're planning on or hoping folks will do is get ready to install drought-tolerant uh, plants this fall. Fall is probably the best time to put them in. The best. And so we'll have a lot of info on that actually at the Drought Expo this coming Saturday. Right. So getting people thinking, planning, uh, arranging, purchasing, and that kind of thing. Or not purchasing yet. It's got you got to wait a little bit longer. But since fall is the time when native plants are best established, and I guess to take advantage of El Nino, we'll talk about that in just a bit. So now, for people that are wondering, when you go brown, does that that that's the end of the lawn. There's, you're finishing it off, and you're changing it for good. Um, yeah, I mean, you can let it go brown, and you can probably maintain it even at a golden color a couple of days a week. Um, but ideally, the goal is to transform your landscape into something that is more California-appropriate, more appropriate to this climate, and put in drought-tolerant plants that can look really beautiful. Um, they're not just cacti and rocks, which a lot of folks sometimes think that that's what it means. So really the new green is something that's just beautiful, uh, saves water, and is appropriate to our climate. And so that's what we'll be featuring this weekend. Well, and are, are you going to be giving advice? So it's not all water or drought-tolerant plants are created equally. Some of them are pretty invasive species that don't belong here. Are you going to be pretty selective in helping customers out with those selections? Well, you know, I think we want to give our customers a, a wide choice in what they want to put in their landscapes. Certainly, there are native plants, um, but not everybody wants to go 100% with native. I understand. And so there are other plants that are also drought-tolerant and can save water. And so we do have a demonstration garden here in front of our headquarters yes. that's open all the time. And we've got about 86 different species of plants that folks can come look at and see and, and decide if that's going to be a good fit for them. Okay. And, and really, the, there's, the drought-tolerant landscaping has nothing to apologize for. And it's, are you, is it palpable to you in your position there at IRWD where the acculturation is taking hold and there is a greater and greater acceptance of this new look of, uh, the, of the gardenscape? I, I definitely think it's starting to take hold, obviously, I think, with the drought and the turf removal program um, that we have. Obviously, we there, you've probably seen in the news there was a huge turf removal program in Southern California. Yes. And in some areas, the funding has discontinued, but we still have the rebates here. It's $2 a square foot. And so I think combined with the drought messaging and realizing that there are other ways to have beautiful landscapes that require less maintenance, 
I think we're, we're definitely beginning to see a shift away from the predominantly turf front lawns. So we're seeing it in our service area. And what's interesting yes. is sometimes people will put in a um, drought tolerant through a rebate, and then the next thing we'll see a couple of neighbors have put it in, but they didn't go through the rebate process because they're realizing how attractive these landscapes can be. Well, that's leveraging the resources. <laughs> yeah. Well, how are the developers with brand new subdivisions doing in your jurisdiction? Um, I think our developers are doing okay, first of all, because most of our, our, in fact, all of our new development grading and all of that, we require that they use Rusaka water and we make it available to them. And then when they are putting in new landscapes, they are putting in drought-tolerant landscapes. In conformance, there are now new state standards. Okay. But that's something that we've seen happening in our service area even long before these new stringent standards came into effect. Ah. And then all the outdoor irrigation is usually recycled water, especially like uh, common area front lawns and things like that. But when I, I still think it's we, our recycled water still is at a premium. It, it, it's, to, it's to be rationed around. So just because it's recycled doesn't mean it can be squandered. So that's, uh, I just want to reinforce that point. Right. Which I think Absolutely. You, and in fact, we even give water budgets for recycled water, too. That, okay, uh, good. Good enough. Well, for those of you who've just joined us, you're listening to Ask a Leader on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. My guest is Fiona Sanchez, Irvine Ranch Water District Director of Water Resources. And we're talking about the summer's drought management and conservation plans here underway and needing bursting through the, the goals that the IRW has set for, for customers. And when we were talking about water conservation and on your website the emphasis is on the outdoors because that is where all the water savings are occurring yeah well that's where the biggest potential is um as i mentioned earlier we've already done a lot with conservation in our service area so most folks have already got high efficiency toilets and clothes washers although we do have rebates for those still but typically about 60 percent of water use or even more is used outdoors so that's where there's huge potential for savings and it's a little bit more discretionary than curtailing some other uses. So can you just go over the rebates that are available and include in that the outdoor, I think there are uh, the rain barrel kind of a feature too. Yeah, we we do have rain barrels um, available. Um, That's on our website. Uh, Turf removal I already mentioned, that's $2 per square foot of turf. Uh, we do have weather-based irrigation controllers available. So those are irrigation controllers that automatically adjust your irrigation to the weather. So hopefully you're not over-irrigating. Then we have efficient sprinkler nozzles. Those are $4 each on the rebate. And so those are the outdoor ones. And we also have other uh, indoor ones. Clothes washers are $250. And then high-efficient toilets are $150. Because I, I can tell from my uh, neighborhood water cooler discussions that not everybody's gone to the a fuel the, the water-efficient commode. So uh, I just it's not clear always to customers that they can still do that. Although so much of the housing stock is it's increasingly a larger share of it is is new housing stock where I'm sure the, all the the water-saving devices are installed mm-hmm. as a as a code matter so uh, right that's correct so that's and the rebates are those are all in place for the indefinite stretch yeah for irwd they are so they're on our website which is www.irwd.com 
Indeed. And so we're talking about the acculturation um, and the and the developers' progress along the way. So I, are you let actually speaking of acculturation, what is the best way? To go about let's let's make this like a sort of a, a a an ask a leader scenario with RWD. What's the best way to talk about a a malfeasant neighbor whose water irrigation is running down the curb and uh, out of the neighborhood? How do you work with people on broaching people about that? Well, I think first of all, um, be great if you know neighbors hopefully have good relationships with their neighbors and maybe just a friendly, you know, hey, did, were you aware of it? A lot of people don't even notice because they're not home when their irrigation systems are on. So sometimes they're unaware. So hopefully a friendly reminder. If if it goes beyond that and folks call in to hear, then we do have staff who can try to contact that person who will outreach to them. And our goal is to help them figure out what the issue is. Um, maybe they have a leak or over-irrigation, and we can even go out and provide on-site assistance to them. So we have a whole drought response team available to do that. Well, do those houses tend to be the ones that were meant for the the Midwest with plenty of, of rain available? I mean, like, is there a correlation between where the water's running off and the, the kind of plants that have been selected? Um, I think it is more difficult, obviously, to irrigate turf because you have overhead spray typically or sprinklers. And when you put in drought-tolerant and native plants, you're typically using drip irrigation. And so the the likelihood of any runoff is really minimized. So drip irrigation is a much more efficient way to irrigate. Well, Ms. Sanchez, tell me, how much water are outdoor fountains using up? Are are you um, taking that issue up? Is Is that a concern? Well, we, there's already ordinances both by the state and IOWD as part of our drought that unless your fountain is recirculating, it needs to be turned off. So it's, they're typically not significant loss unless it's really windy, like when we have Santa Ana conditions. So there, it's not evaporating from the fountain, though? It, it does, but it's not so significant that that would be the main target of our, our drought outreach. If folks want to turn them off, that's great. And certainly they need to be turned off if they don't recirculate. Okay. Well, that's that's most interesting. Well, we're talking about what RWD is doing and its inestimably visionary quality there. And let's talk about what will be happening at the upcoming Drought Survival Expo this Saturday, the September 12th. Okay, so we'll have quite a few things going on. Um, it will be at our headquarters here uh, on St. Canyon um, near the post office in Irvine. It's from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. Parking's free. And we're going to have different kinds of workshops that folks can go to to learn how to. We'll have a Fix-A-Leak Academy, so people will learn how to check for them and fix them around their home. We'll have a Gardening with Natives workshop, and we're actually bringing in Mike Evans from Tree of Life Nursery. So he's going to teach everything you need to know about gardening with California natives. Uh, we'll have a Sprinkler to Drip workshop, so we'll show you actually how to easily convert your home sprinkler system to a drip system, so that can save thousands of gallons. And then, as I mentioned, uh, we do have a Rightscape Garden here with water-efficient plants, and we're going to have Orange County Master Gardeners on hand to take folks through a tour and answer questions. 
We'll also have a bunch of great water conservation prizes for Home Depot, free consultation with a landscape designer, and some gift baskets. And one thing that is kind of different here, too, is we've got a recycled water filling station. So for folks that just want need a little bit of extra water to maybe help establish plants or help their trees through the drought, we've actually got free recycled water available for our customers. How does that work? So uh, customers would fill out an application, and then they bring in, you know, five-gallon bucket or whatever it is they have container, and then they can take it home to water their thirsty gardens. So we have information on that also on our website if folks want to get started looking at the application. And there's and pl- then we'll have yes. We we'll also have some activity tech for kids. We're going to have like bounce houses, prize wheels, and activity center. So there'll be a lot, a lot going on for everyone. Well, starting these new consumers on the the right foot, getting their little hands uh, not not wet but drier. <laughs> I mean, like some sort of how tos for the kids. So they, I mean, this is where they all got started with their recycling sensibilities as they learn young about that. So I don't know if they're are they uh, going to be given some real hands-on learning about the importance of drought-tolerant landscapes and other yeah, we're, conservation. Yeah, we're gonna, there's going to be lots of activities for them to learn about water and water use. Um, obviously, when, it, when you learn about it when you're a kid, it just becomes part of your ethic and, and how you respond to water in the future. So training the next generation. Yes, and speaking of training the next generation, and I'm thinking, I'm not kidding, the, the possibility that in a drought expo like this, there could be a way of approaching impressionable and not the least bit impressionable youth into shortening their showers. <laughs> Teenagers are always a challenge. I have two of them. I, yes, I, mine. I have a teenager and one older now, and I, no matter what I say, and they, I invoke so many. I think inside and familiar, uh, uh, alluring kind of connections, and I have zero to show for that. Um, you know, I, I haul my buckets all over the place to to flush and to water and that kind of thing. And I don't know if that's a if there's some kind of peer water conservation pressure you're going to be able to demonstrate at the the drought expo. Yeah, that's something for certainly for us to think about the teenager campaign. Okay, well, that if it's not in this one, next year's. <laughs> well, we we may have something. Yeah. We'll see. Okay, good. I'm, I'm glad to hear about that. Well, I was interested in hearing a little piece on another public radio station about what's happening. Uh, there's unintended outcomes with water conservation. And in San Francisco, which is a considerably older water delivery system than ours, they have found that less liquid waste is resulting in sludge backup. Some that's mm-hmm. odor problems, or there's corrosion of their pipes. So, uh, are there any unintended inco- uh, outcomes, incomes, that uh, that IRWD has had to grapple with? Well, we're, we're not done with the the, the workshop, but uh, this may be uh, a part of what you can talk about then, or what you can inform us about now. Yeah, we we actually are not experiencing any issues maintaining our sewer system or our water system. Um, as I mentioned, we've been doing water conservation for a long time, so we're very used to maintaining. We have a very well-maintained, well-operated system, and we've been dealing with water conservation for 25 years. It's not something we really – we kick it up a notch during the drought, but it's not something that we don't do all the time here. So we're, we're not having any problems with that. Okay. For those of you who've just joined us, my guest is Fiona Sanchez, 
Irvine Ranch Water District Director of Water Resources of the Irvine Ranch Water District Management District. And we are talking about the visionary leadership of the district and the September 12th Drought Survival Expo that's going to be from 9 till noon. And it's at 1. So one. Nine to one. Oh, I don't want to shave any hours off because that could there could be some peer pressure in that last hour that people mm-hmm. can. Uh, from, so uh, that will be uh, at one five six zero zero Sand Canyon Avenue. That's the the main office there, and there is something for everyone, folks. I know you hear me say that, but that's why I bring on these topics because I I'm trying to make a very broad outreach to all listeners of all uh, ages and types uh, that can uh, that have a role and have a stake in all of this. Well, with the heavy predictions this winter from El Nino, about El Nino, how are you preparing customers that's residential and commercial to participate in managing and retaining this water supply? Okay, well, hopefully we will get a good El Nino year this year, but the way that it's looking is it it may just hit Southern California, um, and if it does, um, stormwater capture is really difficult because it comes so quickly, although it will really help a lot with the local groundwater basin, which is one of our main sources of supply. So if, it, if we're lucky enough that we get a lot of the El Nino impact in Northern California, it will help to replenish the reservoirs and storage. But if um, it's a pretty warm El Nino, which is kind of what they're saying, okay. we may not still get a good snowpack. In which case, we're going to continue asking our customers to what use water efficiently. So that's part of your message is to tap down what the El Nino replacement value could be so people aren't getting complacent about what their role is in conserving and not changing their behavior as it's trending beautifully right now. Right. And plus, for us, it's always a way of life. Well, yes, we do live in a desert, folks, despite what you see planning still out there. So... You talked about this basin, and uh, in another coverage this weekend, in the um, the south of Monterey area, that th- that particular water underground water body source that it's becoming dangerously super low. How are you making the uh, the veil the amount in this basin supplying IRWD making that a visual piece for consumers to appreciate it's being depleted. Okay, well, we don't actually, Irvine Ranch Water District is one of the producers from the, the, the Orange County Water Basin, but we do not manage it. It's actually a managed basin by Orange County Water District. And so this district is already way ahead of some areas of the state where they don't have managed groundwater basins. We already have that in place here. And so the Orange County Water District has already created saltwater intrusion barriers and probably one of the best things that we've done in Orange County is the development of the groundwater replenishment system. Okay. And so what happens there is that sewage from the Orange County Sanitation District, which is right next door, is taken by OCWD and it goes through um, advanced treatment. And then that water is then pumped up to kind of the spreading basins near Anaheim to help replenish the, the water basin. So we're actually using recycled water here very effectively in Orange County. Amen for that. And I wanted to know this, I'm sort of broadsiding you with this one. I don't know if there's any legislation pending in Sacramento, and they've got about three days left to wrap up the session. Any of that that is affecting what the district is doing? 
Um, nothing that would change how we operate or what we do because we already feel that we've covered all of our bases. We do a lot to make sure we are efficient and operate the system effectively all the time. So uh, there's no bills that I think we would be concerned about that would affect our, our ability to operate or change things for us. Okay. Okay. Very good. Well, I want to thank you for bringing this to our attention. Fiona Sanchez is the Irvine Water Direct Irvine Water District uh, Irvine I'm sorry Water Management District Director of Water Resources, and we're talking about how well you all are doing in this area and how much more we want you to keep up on this and where you can find out with all the household members that you can bring what more you can do with the September 12th Drought Survival Expo 9 until 1 and then uh, are there any other events you'd like to plug before I turn you loose? Um, we do have a series of um, rightscape workshops that we host regularly. So if our customers are interested in getting a little bit more information about how to plant, we have a series of three. So it's choosing the right plants and choosing the right equipment and, and doing, using the right watering schedule. And so information on those is on our website, and we host them every single month. So it's this. all this is great timing because as you go into the fall, we were talking about this earlier, this is the when the drought tolerant plants are best established taking advantage of their the small root ball that's getting established the, the, I'm sure that the, our, our master gardener show has been covering this on Thursday mornings but this is the, all this time is perfectly set up for people to make use of this seasonal advantage so I'm glad we could take seasonal advantage of this workshop to bring you back to our radio waves today thank you Fiona Sanchez for being on the show okay thank you thank you